short story, I met my guest today, Maya, as the academic director and teacher at the University of Amsterdam Summer School for Introduction to Mindfulness and Compassion program. If you enjoyed this episode, consider registering for the winter program starting 18 of January 2021. The first five people who register and write in their letter of motivation that they heard about this program from my podcast, Meditate with Samara by Samara Fahrana, get a 10% discount. And this course was life-changing for me, and I hope it can be a similar experience for you. Enjoy listening to this podcast. Welcome to my podcast, Meditate with Samara. The intention of this podcast is to bring in insightful, practical stories about how you can improve your quality of life. And especially in this episode, we are also going to bring a scientific insight into the suggestions and also the story from our wonderful guest here today. This guest today is so special to me because I learned first time about mindfulness, emotion regulation, a bit of compassion as well from her scientifically when I was doing my master's in the University of Amsterdam. So welcoming to this podcast, Maya Rijeshain. And to introduce Maya, Maya is a scientist, a mindfulness and compassion trainer, and an inner world explorer. Maya has a PhD in clinical and health psychology from the University of Castellón, Spain, currently working as a researcher and lecturer at the University of Valencia and as an academic director of the summer and winter school programs at the University of Amsterdam. Maya's research focuses on emotion regulation in adults and youth with special emphasis on contemplative practices such as mindfulness, self-compassion, and the application of new technologies to enhance well-being. In her work, in particular, and in her life in general, her intention is to contribute to the creation of individualized and efficient toolbox of resources for people, whether it's for youth, parents, or adults, so they can go and experience the world that is waiting for them in a most enriching way. So welcoming mm-hmm. to this podcast, hi Maya! Hi Samara, thank you for having me here and thank you for this lovely introduction. No, thank you for being the person who you are so I can introduce you this way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being on this podcast. Maya, before we start, can you please share us a little bit more about yourself, more than what I have said? I'm sure you're more than the introduction. Yeah, it's always a difficult question, right? We, we're trying to put uh, kind of important bullet points from our life in in the in the kind of you know summary of who we are but yeah indeed we uh well i i i hope to be more than than just you know titles and and uh, professional identities kind of um so yeah who i am so i i am a kind of um i'm, I'm always feeling a little bit out of the box usually. Uh, I'm originally from Poland, um, but I left Poland when I was 18. And from that moment on, I was like traveling a little bit around uh, Europe and the world. Um, and my last stop was 
in Spain where I stayed and I'm working and living there right now. Uh, but indeed, this is something that it's really important for me. So uh, traveling, uh, learning about new cultures, about different cultures and people, you know, that's, that's really, that, that feels for me very enriching. So a part of having Polish nationality, I also got at some point French nationality. And then I was living as well uh, in Amsterdam, uh, where you've been, where we also uh, well met uh, through the, the summer school. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, and I, I, for the moment, I can say I'm, I'm living here in Spain. Basically, I discovered, you know, science and learning and psychology. I was always interested in learning more. And at some point, I, I, I knew that after my master's, I, I kind of, I don't know anything. And then I decided to do my PhD. And then I realized that I am still not knowing anything, you know, and it's like continuous exploration of uh, both our kind of inner worlds within meditation, but also within what is scientific field in psychology, continuous exploration of new concepts and, and, and yeah, different things to, to, to think about and to learn about, which is exciting for me. Oh, it's so exciting. You're honestly my role model. I hope to be you. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was saying to you, I'm so inspired by you too. Like we're doing all these beautiful things and, and you know, podcasts and uh, YouTube channels and, and your work within the yoga and meditation field. It's, it's really brilliant uh, as well. So I think you are a perfect inspiration for me as well. Thank you for your kindness and kind words. Maya, to continue to talk, fully more about our topic today, can I first ask you, what are the typical research topics that you are now currently working on or have been working on that focuses more on our inner world experience? Yeah, so um, I'm, yeah, I'm working a lot of, uh, on, in the field of emotion regulation, but mainly right now, uh, my research topics are around um, application of mindfulness and compassion and mixing it with new technologies. So for example, uh, the, the project that I'm preparing right now uh, is more within a chronic illness and more specifically uh, diabetes and um, in, in adolescence population and how we can use compassion-based intervention to uh, help both teenagers, but also their caregivers, uh, their parents, to cope with this chronic illness, and how um, how we can uh, see what is the impact of compassion-based intervention, but not only on psychological symptoms that can be seen both in you know in in children, well, adolescents with diabetes, as well as in their uh, caregivers, but also on metabolic level. So how, um, one more time, this, this mind-body connection can be perceived on both metabolic and psychological levels. So this is one example. Another example, we are uh, also working on um, using new technology to enhance meditation and compassion meditation. So these are the, the kinds of projects I'm involved in right now. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to see the results whenever that's out, but best of luck 
for the research that you are doing right now. And for the topic today, I reach out to you to ask about whether we can talk about how youth or the younger people can best regulate their emotion. And the intention and the reason why is throughout the journey of this podcast and from my own experience, I feel like our education system does not teach us of how to recognize and relate or even regulate our emotion. And I feel like if I can ask to you about this, it would be great. So first, what do you mean by emotion regulation? Yeah, um, well, usually in the field, we can refer to emotion regulation as a process to kind of uh, influence the intensity, duration, and expression of emotions. And yeah, and in the way in the way that it's from one side socially acceptable and also sufficiently flexible, so so it's uh, acceptable in different you know contexts that we are. So it basically depends on the context. It depends on the intensity of emotions or of the stimulus that we perceiving and also of the emotion that we're feeling. But um, for me, what, what the, the way I would uh, see emotion regulation in, in the very personal way would be um, kind of a continuous exploration of uh, whatever you are feeling and the interaction between the body and uh, the sensations and physiological expression of emotion and also about our our mental uh, you know patterns mental uh, states and also I would say because in the definition of emotion regulation we we're talking about this you know process of influencing or modifying emotions you know I really like to, to quote uh, Stephen Hayes that uh, is an acceptance commitment therapy uh, author and he's talking about this part of it is important indeed to know where and, uh, and how we, we, can, we can regulate our emotion but it's also important when not to do it and kind of let the emotion to be there and just stay with it in the most, you know, kind way if I can say it uh, as as it is possible so yeah so this is kind of my um, exploration of, of the definition of emotion regulation process yeah I feel like that makes complete sense in reasoning right like when we want to regulate we change the intensity duration expression of what we are feeling and why do we have to regulate our, our emotions and maybe this is just for um, people who are young who are listening right now why is it important for us to change our emotions yeah indeed why why we why why do we have to do it anyway right like for example let's imagine well depending on different cultural context in some uh, cultures there there are some situations in which it's not appropriate to have certain expression or emotional expression let's say in our culture for example in general in Europe uh, if you are in the funeral and you start laughing that's not really appropriate right so one of the uh, emotion regulation strategy, for example, that you might use is to suppress this laughter uh, uh, while you are there in order to kind of fit within the, um, the, the social context and expectation that we have. This is one of the, the possibilities. But also, you know, when you have a difficult conversation, let's say with, uh, you know, with our friend or our partner, 
kind of uh, impulse would be to, I don't know, to scream, to shout, to, to kick, even, you know, to fight with somebody uh, physically. And then you can try to regulate it in a way that, uh, that it's more helpful, not only that it's not only kind of socially uh, accepted, but it's also more helpful for you and for the other person in order to, you know, to, to live together, to, to be in this um, connection together. So yeah, this is one of the, you know, few of the examples that I can give you right now, like for why it is important. But as I said, at the same time, when, when I'm thinking of emotion regulation, like, why it is important and it is very important in the specific situations it is also important to know where not to do it right because for example we might if we are um very stressed and we uh, and there is a i don't know an important exam or, or important situation we are kind of ruminating about and um, we might use also non-adaptive way of regulating our emotion we might uh i don't know put um some just watch too much netflix you know binge watch uh, for the whole night because not to think about whatever issue we have you know so these are also emotion regulations but we can uh, distinguish between more adaptive and less adaptive and this is also in the end on the larger scale to answer your question, why it is important to re regulate, but in a more adaptive way, our uh, emotions is that it's really linked to, to our mental health, right? So if, if the, the science shows that more adaptive emotion regulation strategies we use on the long-term, this gonna um, help us to uh, preserve our mental health. It's a, a re it's related in in positive way with our mental health. On the opposite, if we, for example, using suppression that I gave as an example in the funeral, but all the time in any kind of situations, you know, that's why it's context dependent. Maybe in the funeral we are there not very often, right, in our lives. Uh, so, well, hopefully, um, but this is. Uh, this is not happening all the time. If we're using this strategy, a suppression strategy all the time, um, as our kind of favorite tool to regulate our emotion, this uh, science uh, shows that uh, this strategy is uh, related to uh, poor mental health. So issues with anxiety, depression, etc. So that's why it is important to regulate, but we need to know how we regulate it and which tools we are using to regulate our emotions. Thank you for sharing that. That's so insightful, really, because I have studied emotion regulation for my thesis. I've studied with you and read more about it. But what you said is so important and it slipped my mind is that emotion regulation is context dependent. It sees with the, the broader scope of where you're doing it, why you're doing it, and the separation between the adaptive and non-adaptive way is also important to take into consideration. So in the context now, bringing it into more context dependent, let's say students now all around the world are studying through online, studying from home. It creates a lot of stress because of the development years, you want to be with friends and it's, it's a stress for everyone. But my next question would then be, how can these emotion regulation strategies best 
help people that are young and that need that the most and maybe they don't know about it or know why they need it so how would you um, kind of help with that situation when that's going on Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that question. I think that I, I really like, you know, we, we can talk in, in theory, you know, about theories and concepts for such a long time, but in the end, what is interesting for us and what is really, uh, uh, you know, appealing me to, to the science and to how to um, disseminate it, how to talk about it is to talk in the very practical way. And indeed, your question bring it to this point, right? What can we really do? What are the helpful uh, emotion regulation strategies we can use? And especially right now, because we are in this very difficult moment and, and I can see it also with, with my students uh, they are very overwhelmed. Uh, uh, us as professors, we're giving them a lot of, you know, new assignments that are adapted to online context, which they not really maybe used to do before uh, in presential classes. So it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of new uh, things happening and changes are right in, in the world. So first I wanted to say that for youth, it is uh, for people somewhere, you know, between kind of, let's say, 10 and 26 years old, like in this range, it is kind of, I want to normalize that it is kind of always difficult to regulate emotions. And why is that? Because the, the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible, one of the functions of it is, is responsible to inhibit more limbic system, more, the more emotional part of the brain is still not completely developed when the, the limbic system, the part that is kind of, you know, activated when we have emotions, it is already um, developed uh, a, a kind of quickly in adolescence. So what's happening is that the, this, this part of the brain that it has a function to inhibit our emotion and help us to regulate them is still not completely 100% there. And, and then it is normal that sometimes we're going to explode, you know, that sometimes everything seems horrible and we feel like in such a, you know, big hole uh, of despair. And the idea is indeed to find tools to help us to kind of uh, go back to our baseline, right? And so this is like a background story uh, to, to just realize and normalize that um, young people sometimes feel like maybe a lot of ups and downs and especially right now you know we are living in, in certain times and it's it's complicated so just to you know recall ourselves that oh yeah if you are in more or less this age range it is sometimes normal to not be able to regulate you know and like give yourself a kind break, you know, and say, okay, my brain is still under development and I'm like, I, I'm doing my best, you know, that's first thing. And the second thing is to now realize what is really your toolbox, you know, of emotion regulation strategies. Like what are you doing when you feel a certain emotion, right? So maybe, so it's context dependent. So indeed, if you are, at the university or if you are at home, if you are under a lockdown, if you are at home with your family members, what's happening there, right? If there is a certain interaction with a certain person, maybe there is some pattern. So there is 
there is a need to explore that. And I think we haven't, as you said, we did not really have a chance to stop and to have kind of a moment of reflection for us. What am I doing when I'm sad? Like, you know, there is this like Bridget Jones kind of, a you know, pa uh, pattern of like taking ice creams and eat a lot of ice creams or maybe this is your way. Maybe you emotionally eating when you are sad or what is happening when you are angry, you know, or what is happening when you have kind of a moment of stress and then you know maybe you are ruminating or maybe like what what is really happening with you uh, when a certain emotion arises and in order to know it we need to be aware of the emotion arising right because we if we are not aware and we already coping with with the emotion without really disentangle the emotion arising and the emotion regulation mechanism that we are applying that's kind of difficult so i think that's like a second step so first normalizing that our brain is the way we we have and that's a normal process and the second part is being more aware of what are we doing when anxiety arrives do we want to stay with it or do we want to do we even get it that it's there somewhere like for example for me it's in my chest like oppression in the chest like heaviness here and am i stopping to kind of be with it or am i like kind of running and and distracting myself you know with something else not to feel it you know so this is yeah the second step and what was your question in the end i'm talking so much so we are trying to get some tools right yes so I love your explanation so far. My initial question was how can younger people practically regulate their emotion? And I love that first you normalize about the brain. I miss talking about the brain with anyone. So Maya, you're the perfect person to mention that as well. And I want to dig a bit deeper into that because we talked about, you talked about the amygdala is rising up through the emotion. We, we see the threat, emotion is, is felt there. I remember one of the insights from your class is that mindfulness or breathing can actually reduce the amygdala activation. So other than the prefrontal cortex, is that true? Or can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Okay, so yeah. And so just to make a, to give you like to be fully transparent, I'm not neuropsychologist. So I will try to use the most kind of simple also in order to let people that are listening to your podcast to make it as clear as possible, right? But I will probably use some oversimplification there, okay? Because it is complicated mechanism. Yeah, mindfulness, what uh, what is doing is that basically this inhibit inhibition, this connection between prefrontal cortex and amygdala, the limbic system uh, and amygdala, uh, is that mindfulness is, has been showed to improve, to, to develop the parts of the prefrontal cortex. So in that way, it helps to uh, in the process of inhibition of amygdala. Still, it is still tricky because it, we don't really know. There is a beautiful article, uh, I think it was published in 2015 or something around it, about is mindfulness a top-down or a bottom-up emotion regulation? So 
is it something that is coming more cognitively from from consciously right as an inhibition in that way or is it coming more in con uh, more yeah implicitly let's say more from the bodily uh, sensations and kind of uh, you know anticipating the the whole process and inhibiting already before us side to to make it really you know to 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 regulate emotions and it seems like it's both you know so in science we little bit um by little bit we're learning that we don't have any answers and that we're only exploring different things and we're asking questions and we're getting sometimes some answers but they are not you know little by little if we keep exploring we're gonna maybe see something different or additional process etc so it's never like you know easy answer right but what it seems to be is that mindfulness at the beginning can be used as emotion regulation tool as a top-down regulation tool so we can use it in the same way as um, cognitive reappraisal which is another you know type of strategy which basically is putting things into perspective i don't know if you know this metaphor of uh, a glass full empty or half uh, full uh, no sorry glass uh, yeah half empty or half full right this was <laughs> i am saying it uh, so this is exactly the uh, this is to think if we see something in one way or another or taking a distance to to a little bit uh, take perspective on things and uh, to be put you know our issue that is uh, provoking emotions into perspective. So that's another way of regulating emotion, uh, which is one of the very adaptive uh, emotion regulation technique in majority of contexts. Um, and so mindfulness can be compared, can be seen as emotion regulation technique in this way. But then if you practice more and more mindfulness, then somehow there is more bodily uh, regulation that it's more implicit and there is more top, uh, bottom up rather than top down you see so we we are not still there yet i think to understand it fully but this is what what um from my perspective we can see in research uh, already about relationship between mindfulness and emotion regulation so going back to the brain and uh, what's happening there is that uh, we by practicing mindfulness we are developing our prefrontal cortex and this helps to inhibit in one way or another the uh, the limbic system with emotional response right so in that way we are helping ourselves this is one way of kind of training ourselves to to develop this emotional regulation capacities yeah yeah thank you for sharing that it's very very insightful and makes me even better understand the mechanism and also the complexity of science in general. And coming back into the more practical perspective, yeah. how can a young person who is listening right now regulate emotions that they're feeling? And the reason why I ask this is I have been speaking more to younger generations of 18 to 25, you mentioned 26, that feels something unpleasant experience but they can't yet really define what it is or why it is and you already gave two of ways to help regulate our emotion one naming understanding that it's okay 
to have blow up sometimes, right? And then the second was also to know what you're feeling when you're experiencing emotion. Do you think there's a third step that can help regulate people's emotion who is listening to this podcast right now? Yeah, I think that rather than giving like a specific steps, I would invite your listeners to to think about what are their individual kind of um, tools, you know, that that they can use. Because when we are regulating our emotion, usually it's not only one emotion regulation strategy, it's a composition of various. And it's, as you said, context dependent and depending on how intense the emotion is. So for certain uh, intensity of emotions, if there is a lot, a lot of emotion, some techniques might be less useful than others. So I would say first, yeah, remember to kind of check in, what are you already doing? And is it really useful? You know, like how, how does it serve you? Because if we're repeating the same strategy over and over again, and this does not really give a good results in your terms, you know, for you, then maybe it's time to try something different and see what the other result would be, right? This is one thing. Another thing um, to give some strategies is already what we were mentioning between amygdala and prefrontal cortex. What one really good research and and concept of uh, Daniel Siegel is the concept of name it to tame it. And this is one of the examples that shows how uh, you know, mindfulness or being aware of our emotion and knowing what's happening, even though you cannot really put the name on it, right? But if you try to give a name to the emotion that you have right now, this shows to decrease amygdala activation. So uh, they, they show it in the study uh, with fMRI, so uh, functional magnetic resonance. They were scanning people in, in the scans. And when people were put labeling, putting name literally in their head on the emotion, the intensity, emotional intensity that was seen in amygdala was decreasing, right? So that's one of, of examples that like, if I feel something, I can just stop and then go to the body and, and check within ourselves, like, what do I feel right now? Is it like stress, anxiety, fear or anger, whatever. And maybe there is a mix of many and maybe I'm not sure, but kind of give ourselves time to explore it, right? And if you can name it, that would be great because science shows that this decreased this emotional activation. And that's one. And another, the opposite of doing, you know, we're talking about what can I do? So, the funny thing is that sometimes you don't need to do anything and just say to yourself that, um, you know, emotion, um, emotions by themselves, they are uh, short in time, you know, it's like, it's like there is a peak and at some point it will go down. Okay, so this is the nature of emotion is like, it's going up and it's go, go down. So what we could see in, in some of my research is that only by sitting and waiting that the emotion will go back down. You know, you're going back to baseline. If you're not gonna over, you know, alimentate it over and over again, because if you then start thinking about how terrible this 
whatever happened was, then you start the rumination process, which is one of non-adaptive emotion regulation technique by thinking that you're gonna solve it by rethinking over and over and over again the scenario you might get into the you know emotional that, that the emotion will stay there because you are bringing more you know you are feeding the intensity so sometimes just by sitting and waiting that can also you know just saying it it also it also show pass it just can can bring something even though you don't need to do actively uh, anything you know that can be one of of possibility and then i think that you know especially with young people what it's really helpful is you know the the connection with peers connection with friends connection with um people that that we feel supported by and right now maybe it's not you know the best thing to to meet them in person but you can always call them or you can always you know um do a video call and and create a space in which you can share whatever you know happened to you because emotion regulation we are talking a lot about what's happened what can we do with it but we are social uh, species you know we the way we are regulating our emotions also um it's all is especially you know in interaction with other people so that's that's very important too so that's another tool to call somebody if you if you feel like you are in need yeah that's amazing maya thank you for increasing my toolbox that's so aligned with the initial intention that you said to you know to create an efficient toolbox and resources yeah. for people whoever that is and now as i'm listening to you as well like this is not only for young people whoever we're listening right now i think all of this information from you is useful and a little thing that i want to insert when you were mentioning about the name entertainment method strategy to regulate your emotion you shared in our summer school that there is this website atlas of emotions if i'm not mistaken that's a really good website for me to recognize the different types of emotion different responses and maybe from there it doesn't say it specifically but um adaptive or not adaptive and see like what works and um i might put it in the podcast description for whoever who wants to look it out but thank you maya for sharing that resource that was really helpful for me to learn yeah that's really good resource indeed it's a uh, it's paul and if ekman really um yeah very famous researchers in in emotion uh, and emotion regulation field and they uh, this project the atlas of emotion was done in collaboration with dalai lama who kind of uh, asked them to uh, to collaborate together to to create a tool for people and indeed it's a perfect uh, first step to to do what i was uh, kind of inviting to do what uh, which was just to, you know stop for the moment and reflect what is happening for you in that specific situation which kind of emotion you are feeling what are you using as a tool to manage uh, and to cope uh, with this emotion and just a small kind of reminder we in you know especially in the in the in science we are you know using this adaptive and non adaptive labels but one more time because we said that emotion regulation is a context dependent uh, issue um 
don't try to like be too much too rigid about this adaptiveness or non-adaptiveness you know and more what is most important is to be flexible so check maybe like what are the emotion regulation tools strategies that are you are using we in many articles uh, we, we have like a list of the most you know uh, the, the a lot of strategies that have been researched uh, um, in in experimental designs etc so we have different types that are more on this adaptive side and a lot that are more an unadaptive unadaptive side so for example rumination is not very adaptive one and can bring very easily to depression but but uh, still try to find a little bit in which context maybe something is more adaptive in which context it's less adaptive and try to observe yourself because in the end it's your toolbox you know and how does it work for you yes that's such a great reminder. Thank you, Maya. So pausing, stepping back and self-evaluating and do what's best for you by asking also what is helpful for me, basically, if I can make it um, as a concise way. It's a really nice summary. It, it makes me uh, think of what Christopher Germer and Christine Neff was writing one of the articles, like how to combine both mindfulness and compassion is like, stopping and asking what do i feel right now like in the in also in this context of you know uh, naming to taming what do i feel right now maybe i feel anxiety right now and then asking this next uh, question what do i need right now you know what do i need in order to you know uh in order to feel uh, good in order to be able to cope with whatever is happening with me and maybe maybe you need i don't know this box of ice cream at that specific moment you know and it is okay you know but then maybe if another time you would not take this box of ice cream and you're gonna stay with that feeling you're gonna explore something more so it's like being flexible and kind of playful you know even though it's not really nice to sit with anxiety but maybe you're gonna learn something more from it and and usually these are um, this is what emotions are all about you know even we have this unpleasant uh, emotions in us in our body and it does not feel good to feel anxiety we it, it brings information about what is important for us what are our needs what is happening here right now you know and and i think it's it, it's lovely because in the end it brings it back to us and also to others because it's probably some usually the emotions appearing in interaction with others right so so that's that's really important too yeah thank you maya before we end this thank you for sharing really genuinely these are, are great things and I want to highlight and also take this moment to really appreciate the work you're doing and everything that you've been sharing because I know that it's already helpful for me, but I know it'll be helpful for other people, what you're sharing. And maybe what you have been quoting, the research based and everything, you have taught this to me via the summer school. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about the summer the winter school sorry that you're doing it would be great for our listeners maybe to check out 
that program because it has changed my life. It has me <laughs> to you. So oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for that opportunity. Yeah, you definitely can if you would like to join us for the for the winter school. We're doing both summer and winter school at the University of Amsterdam. They are both on the topic of mindfulness and compassion-based intervention. And, and in in both programs, we are exploring the science uh, regarding mindfulness and compassion but also what is very important for me is this uh, personal uh, experience first person perspective on on mindfulness and compassion so like this we're trying to combine always the way to think of certain concepts and the way we think about contemplative science in general but especially to notice how does it feel for you know each of one of us so each individual and how does it resonate for us in our experience so yeah we we thank you uh samara for for inviting me to talk about it we are really exciting we're doing this this new winter school right now that starts on i think 18th of january and um, yeah if you want to join us you can apply as soon as possible on our website at the university of valencia winter school and and yeah we're looking forward to to have you on board that would be great <laughs> thank you for sharing i would definitely recommend anyone to check out maya's class uh, it's it's been amazing the people who join are like-hearted people i also had an episode with davy young that was great so you know it's it's really nice to be able to share an experience and also learn about hey let's check it from our own experience rather than just theory and i really enjoyed that part of the class so thank you so much maya thank you thank you as well yeah thank you maya to uh, end this podcast i have this little segment called quick fire round questions the intention of this is to kind of lighten things up because i tend to have like very deep contemplative conversations and it's just nice to kind of finish off with this so basically i will say five words i found through your website related to you and you can say either a word or a sentence back but the catch is to say it as quickly as possible if you're okay, okay. Yeah? <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready i love playful okay. <laughs> challenges yeah i love that i'll still be playful even though it's pleasant unpleasant playful yeah that's awesome okay are you ready maya yeah. okay first word compassion caring second word kindness hot third word science mm creativity i love it <laughs> um, fourth word amsterdam oh <laughs> yeah you see oh like yeah just i i love it it's beautiful everything is beautiful there their mindset their landscapes their canals the bikes everything <laughs> yes i resonate to everything that you just said <laughs> and um the fifth word is mindfulness inner exploration yeah adventure i love that thank you so much my you did so great <laughs> How was it? it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. It was kind of uh, yeah, activating uh, in the pleasant way. Yeah. Uh, it's so great. Thank you so much Maya for sharing. 
in this podcast. Thank you so much for being who you are and doing what you do. You're helping a lot of people from what you are doing. And it's genuinely so great to be talking to you. Maya, before we end, do you have any last words you would like to share to our listeners today who are still listening? Well, first of all, I would like to one more time uh, say thank you to you, Samara, for having me here. It was such a lovely experience. And, and yeah, and thank you for what you are doing as well. And then for your listeners, just maybe if uh, whatever you are right now, just take a, just 10 seconds to stop whatever you are in whatever position you are and breathe and allow yourself to be exactly who you are in exactly the same you know position posture physical and mental state that you are and and stay there and bring some kindness and and space to, to that moment and from that on you can move whatever you you want to be and whatever you want to do right now. <laughs> Thank you. That was like a tiny, tiny mini meditation <laughs> to end. Thank you so much for sharing that space and that time for us to take a breather and pause and just be. You know, we always do, do, do. Just being is great. So thank you so much, Maya. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for everyone who is listening to this podcast right now. I hope that you have found inspiration and also practical insights that you can use. At least one thing that you can do right after you finish this podcast, write it down, say it to a friend, share it around, and hopefully you can always be with your emotions, regulate your stress, and be mindful in the present moment. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Namaste.